Hey, good morning and welcome to Noah's Window. In this week leading up to Christmas, Mary Alice and I are sharing some stories from the Nativity. And we're looking at the key figures of the Nativity scene. Today, I want to talk about a person who sometimes I think is the forgotten man of Christmas, and that's Joseph. About 25 years ago, I was doing a series on Christmas, and I got really intrigued with the lives of Joseph and Mary, especially because the world saw them as so ordinary and nondescript. And yet when God looked down from heaven and saw who they were on the inside, he picked them to lead the family that the Messiah would be in. And let me just say this. I'm going to talk about Joseph today. Mary Alice is going to talk about Mary later. But the qualities that made Joseph so special are for men and women, and the same thing for Mary. Uh, men and women both need the qualities that Mary had. But today I want to focus on the forgotten man of Christmas, Joseph. Have you ever looked at the nativity scene? You know, if you have a crush or maybe a little nativity in your house. Notice how that everybody in the nativity scene is doing something except for Joseph. I mean, Mary's just given birth. She's probably holding the Christ child. Uh, the shepherds are there worshiping and praising God. The three kings are bringing their gifts. You know, if you believe the song, a little drummer boy's playing a solo and the cattle are lowing, whatever that means. But Joseph is always just sort of standing there holding his staff. And I think we sort of overlook him. And, and one of the reasons why I think this happens is those of us who believe the Bible are so quick to protect the virgin birth of Jesus, because it is very clear that Joseph was not his biological father. And I think sometimes because we don't want to accidentally get off into the presumption that Joseph might be biologically Jesus' father. We sort of stay away from him. But today I want you to think about the character of Joseph and what makes him, to me, one of the great heroes of the Bible, maybe one of the unsung heroes of the Bible. Well, I want you to go back in time in your mind with me to uh, when Joseph and Mary are engaged. Now, in the Bible times, engagement was tantamount to marriage in regard to the bond. Now, of course, unlike our times today, people didn't sleep together. That was a, a time in which they weren't together physically. But the way the law looked at it, once a person was publicly engaged, then in the eyes of the law, they had all of the bonds of matrimony. So as to say, if one of the couple had been unfaithful, it would have been seen as breaking marriage vows. So you, you know what happened because you've read the Bible or you know, you've, you've heard the nativity story, how that before Mary and Joseph were married, Mary's pregnant, but by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's a miracle that perhaps God will explain to us biologically when we get to heaven, but we don't really have full understanding. And it's key, it's pivotal that Jesus be born that way. In fact, let me just say this. If, if the virgin birth is not true, you can throw your Bible in the trash because at the end of the day, unless Jesus is both God and human at the same time, he can't be our savior. He has to be God so that he could be our savior and reach out with one hand and hold on to God. And then he has to reach out with the other hand and hold on to us because he's human and then bring us together. So it's essential that Jesus is God and man at the same time or else the Bible is just, it's just a book. But in any event, um, of course, going back into the narrative, you know, Joseph doesn't have all of this information. And all he knows is that Mary has shown up, she's pregnant, and the baby's not his. So when the Bible picks up the story it's, it, of Joseph, it's sort of in this um, situation in which Joseph is trying to mull over his three choices. And the culture does give him three. 
At first, the third choice is not an option for Joseph. We'll get to that in just a moment. But the first two options are this. He can either make a public example out of Mary. He can bring her to the town square. He can indict her publicly and say, I, I was engaged to this woman in good faith. I believed her to be a virgin, but clearly she's not, and this is not my baby. He could have brought her there and said, I publicly indict her. Or the second option, which Joseph was leaning toward, when we open the story is Joseph could have said, well, I don't want to expose Mary to prosecution. He would just put her away quietly. And that's what, what the nice person would have done. I mean, the very, very specially good person would have done back in Jesus' day. So before we get into the third choice, which, as I said, Joseph wouldn't have considered at that point, let's look at the first two, because I think they have a whole lot to say to us today. I mean, first of all, Joseph could have done what I suggested a moment ago, and this is what most people would have done. He could have brought Mary to the town square, indicted her, and said, she's pregnant, she's been with somebody, it's not me. Well, what would Joseph have gotten out of that? I've thought about that a lot. Well, the first thing he would have gotten is he would have gotten what a lot of people want today. He would have gotten revenge because in his mind, Mary had deceived him. She had betrayed him and he would have gotten revenge. It would have been his way of saying, I'm getting back at you for what you did to me. And that's very popular, unfortunately, even among Christian people today. You know, one of the things I've watched, and we'll get to this in just a moment, is a lot of times Christians are good at speaking the talk. But when it comes to something like this, like not getting revenge, you know, when it comes to loving and forgiving people who've hurt us, sometimes we're not, we're not too good at that. So Joseph would have gotten the first thing. He would have gotten revenge. But then there's something else that he would have gotten out of this. He would have protected his status. You know, I mean, if Joseph had said, hey, I, I was engaged to this woman in good faith and she cheated on me. Well, he definitely would have gotten sympathy. I mean, that's what a lot of people like today. I mean, the people of the town would have come forward to him and said, oh, Joseph, you poor, poor guy. I mean, look at what happened to you. And he would have gotten all that sympathy. But let's just say maybe Joseph didn't want the sympathy. Here's what he, here's what he would have gotten out of that. He would have been able for the story to be publicly, it's not Joseph's fault. He would have gotten out from under the cloud of suspicion. You know, through the years of making decisions, from time to time, someone would reveal something to me in confidence that I had to act on. But I couldn't betray what was said to me. And I know that in those times, I probably came off looking weak or silly or maybe even mean. But if I had revealed what I knew that led to the decision that I had to make, I would have betrayed a confidence and cost someone a great deal. So that's what led Joseph to the second option. He was willing to, well, let me just use the term we tend to use. He was willing to eat this. He was willing to say, well, whatever people think about me, you know, whatever happens to my reputation, I don't want Mary to be subjected to prosecution. Hey, let's talk about that for a moment. You know, we're not talking about Mary being shamed on Facebook here. We're talking about Mary being on trial. See, here's the thing. Back in those days, if a woman had betrayed her betrothal like Mary was supposed to have, then in that trial, she could actually be convicted of that crime and stoned to death. Now, the next time we think of Joseph as not being all that important, I want you to think about that. Mary is carrying in her body the, the salvation of the world. If Joseph has publicly indicted her, 
Think about what could have happened. So Joseph is saying, secondly, I'm going to take that second choice. I'm going to say, I'm not going to shame her publicly. I'm not going to indict her publicly. I'm just going to quietly walk away and absorb the shame that might be part of this. In fact, you and I can put two and two together and know that if Joseph puts her away quietly, he could have been looked at as the villain. And people might have looked at him as, well, you got this girl pregnant and now you're walking away. But while he's thinking about these two choices, there's a third choice out there that, as I said, Joseph would have never considered. And that was to marry Mary. Well, he doesn't plan to do that because clearly Mary in his mind has chosen someone else. But while he's kicking all this stuff around, an angel comes to visit Joseph. And that's where, for me, Joseph's character becomes 3D. I mean, all of a sudden he goes from black and white to living color here. Let's look at this. In Matthew 1.20, the angel said, Joseph, son of David, which by the way, that's significant. The angel is saying, Joseph, I know who you are. You're a descendant of King David. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, I'm going to tell you what happens next and what happens from now on every time we see Joseph, basically, to me, is going to be what makes him such an extraordinary example for all of us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. What you're going to see time and time again is when God says something to Joseph, he just takes it at face value and he obeys. Now, this isn't the first time angels have shown up with news. Remember when the angel showed up to tell Zechariah that he and Elizabeth in their old age was going to have a baby, Zechariah said, I want a sign. How can this be? And the angel said, well, you won't talk for nine months. And even when the angel came to Mary, and I'm not blaming Mary for this, the angel said to her, you're going to have a baby. And, and Mary said, I don't understand. How can this be? Again, don't blame her for that. But I just want to point out that when the angel comes along and it says something extraordinary to Joseph, like the baby and Mary is from the Holy Spirit, Joseph doesn't say, I want a sign. He doesn't say, how can this be? He just does what God says. As I hinted a moment ago, we see this pattern over and over with Joseph. A little later, Matthew 2, verse 13, this is after Jesus is born and Herod wants to kill the boy babies. The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return. Look at verse 14. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child, marrying his mother, and he stayed there until Herod's death. No discussion, no protest, just get up, do what God said. And then a little later on, uh, when Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. That's verse 19 of Matthew 2. Get up, the angel said, take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. You see a pattern? God says something, Joseph believes it and acts on it. Ever since I wrote that sermon 25 years ago, I don't think I've experienced a Christmas season without thinking about Joseph, the forgotten man of Christmas, but he's not forgotten by God. He's very special to God. You sort of see why God picked him to lead the family that would raise the Christ child. Here was a guy, and by the way, this is for guys and gals. I mean, this is just a great character trait for all of us. Here was a guy 
when God said something, he took it, he believed it, he acted on it. Didn't fight with God, didn't protest, didn't whine or complain, just got up and did what God asked him to do. Got a lot of people I want to meet when I get to heaven. On my short list is this guy who at the nativity scene, according to the artwork, just stood there and held a shepherd's staff. But in reality, was one of the great heroes of all history. Let's pray. Father God, the moment I do this devotional, I recognize what a challenge it is to actually do what the Bible teaches. It's so easy just to know, to say, to even teach it. But to have this in our hearts where we simply obey, oh God, I want this, I want this in my life. And I pray for all of us who are getting ready to celebrate Christmas that when we look at the nativity scenes, we'll take a look at this guy, Joseph, and say, Lord, help me to follow his example. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for joining us. Mary Alice and I'll be back each day this week to talk about some character in the nativity scene. We're looking forward to sharing these things with you. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow.